I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. had a grizzly with two cubs come at me from about 80 yards and uh, she got my head good I don't know what's under my hat my ear my arm uh, pieces of stuff hanging out I don't know what's going on in there he got mauled in this drainage in the mountains that I was like about to ride through I just walked out three miles, and I go to the hospital. So, and his face is just covered in blood, and so I'm sitting there watching this video, like, "Okay, Cat, you are f- nuts. Like, you are absolutely nuts. This is stupid." This is Cat Cannell. The audio, it's taken from a YouTube video that started to circulate at the beginning of October 2016, just over two weeks before Cat planned to leave on a horse packing trip through the mountains of Idaho and Montana. Okay, so here's the thing. Loosely speaking. I believe there are two types of fears. There's like the real stuff, the external objective hazards. I'm talking about avalanches falling when you climb, the possibility of being mauled by a grizzly bear when it's just happened two weeks earlier in the same exact spot. Those are objective external realities. But there's also something more. There's a different type of fear, something that's more slippery, internal, and harder to understand. Fear of not being pretty enough, fear of not being successful, fear of not being good enough for Willie, fear of fear of not being a good person or, you know, just On the like surface, everything. these two types of fears seem vastly different, right? But maybe when you get down to the root of it, fear is fear. And tackling the threat of having a head-on encounter with a grizzly bear and tackling the fear of not being pretty enough, not being good enough, not being perfect enough, those two things, they might not be that different. Today, our producer, Jen Altschul, brings you This Fear is Real, a story about overcoming the physical and the mental. I'm Fitzko Hall, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. First and foremost, I'm a horse girl. Ever since I was old enough to walk, I was walking out in the pastures and getting my fingers bitten by my dad's horses. And <laughs> Growing up, Kat's family owned a ranch in Idaho's Sawtooth Mountains. Through high school, she competed in barrel racing, and in college, she got a job guiding trail rides in the mountains outside of Bozeman, Montana. But she always dreamed about horse packing. 
there was this old Decker pack saddle hanging in our garage. I'd always looked at that pack saddle and thought, like, how cool it would be to know how to use that. In the spring of 2016, Kat decided to learn. She started planning her first horse packing trip. That first trip, my biggest hope was I just wanted to be an adventurer and wanted to do something that was badass. But Kat had other hopes for that trip, too. The kind of weird one was I, I hoped that I could get into top physical shape, which I guess isn't super weird, but it's kind of weird considering my history. I'll never forget it. It was like fourth grade. I was sitting cross-legged on the floor next to my best friend, one-room schoolhouse in Stanley, Idaho. And I looked down and noticed that my thighs were like bigger than hers. Fourth grade, you're starting to hit that age where your body changes and I didn't do it gracefully, let's put it that way. And so that's kind of where everything started. This narrative probably shouldn't sound familiar to us, but it probably does. A huge number of people feel bad about how they look. But for Kat, the feeling bad about how she looked thing got worse than it does for most of us. Eventually, she was diagnosed with a condition called body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia is a mental condition. It's like hyper-exaggerating your flaws to the point where somebody who's a size zero might look in the mirror and see themselves as a size 15. People who suffer from body dysmorphia can get so paralyzed by the fear that other people will notice their flaws that they'll isolate themselves, even from friends and family, even if that means they miss work or school. Some will get plastic surgery after plastic surgery. In one study, almost 50% of people with the condition were also diagnosed with a lifetime substance abuse disorder. I think it's also important to point out that, like with other mental disorders, the person suffering from it may very well know that their thoughts are not rational. When I'm talking to you about all of this, I realize how ridiculous that mindset sounds. That's why body dysmorphia is such a perplexing thing. The condition led Kat to an eating disorder, and in college, it got bad. And I ended up in a rehab for bulimia, anorexia, drinking, and self-harm. <laughs> and um, I came out a healthier person, and I was on the right track, finally. But that being said, it doesn't just go away. You still struggle. Six years later, by a lot of standards, Kat was still on the right track. She had a budding photography career and guided river trips on the middle fork of the salmon. She had just married a paraglider and fellow river guide named Willie, who she met shortly after she got out of rehab, and the two of them had booked a trip to Columbia. But on vacation, she found herself overtaken by another wave of the same old debilitating thoughts. I looked in the mirror and I started bawling and I felt crippled, like I couldn't go out, like I didn't want people to see me. I thought I was too ugly to be in public. And I just remember like scraping myself up and being like, this is bullshit. This is over. This is not going to be me anymore. This is stupid. It's crippling. It's... You've come so far, you just need to stop focusing on this bullshit. (laughs) 
When Kat got home from Columbia, she started planning that first horse packing trip. And in the early spring, she rode 650 miles from her home in Ketchum, Idaho, to Sierraville, California. Kat planned her next big pack trip for that fall. Again, she would leave from home in Ketchum, just outside of Sun Valley. From there, she would travel north, through two minor mountain ranges, across the Pissimere Valley, over Patterson Pass, and into Montana. Then she would turn east and make her way over three more mountain ranges and into Big Sky. She would finish with a ride over the Gallatin Mountains and through the Tom Minor Basin to Chico Hot Springs, just north of Yellowstone National Park. 350 miles, so substantially shorter than her first trip. But she would do the whole ride by herself and travel over seven mountain passes and through a huge swath of grizzly bear country. And accumulations, another four to eight inches. So October 17th was my departure date. And I believe it was like October 13th or 14th. And the West Coast just starts getting pummeled with these ridiculous storms. 60 to 100 mile per hour winds. As the tornadoes sweep through Manzanita. Flooding, mudslides, of course. Ripped off buildings, trees down, and destruction. And the moment it hit Idaho, it just turned into snow. The last pass that Kat planned to ride over at Windy Pass had 15 inches of snow coating the trail. On top of that, just days before she was set to leave, that YouTube video of the guy who had just been mauled by a mother grizzly started circulating around social media. But in spite of the snow and the bears, Kat was not ready to give up. This was something I really wanted to do. This was something that I was really passionate about. So I didn't want to just give up because of fear. And so instead of just like blindly charging forward, I strategized. She rerouted. Instead of going over Windy Pass, she found another pass that crossed the Gallatins at a lower elevation, which would hopefully mean that it had less snow. And she started her homework on how to travel safely through grizzly bear country. I talked to a lot of people, talked to friends, I talked to people who, I don't want to call them my enemies, but you know, I talked to this one guy who I'm pretty sure like he wouldn't have cared if I got mauled by a grizzly, (laughs) but I knew that he knew about grizzlies. Kat came up with a four-part defense system against bears. My first defense was horses. I talked to a lot of outfitters and a lot of people who had run into grizzly bears while on horseback. And every time I had heard about one of these encounters, the bears seemed more intimidated by this weird thing that they had never seen than the horses seemed of the bears. Number two. My second defense was noise. Most bear attacks occur when a bear's surprised at close range. I watched this YouTube video of this guy talking about how to use his bear spray can. Yo, bear! And he was like walking around singing and he was like, this is your best defense against bears is singing. <laughs> and so he's walking around singing Roxanne, I'll never forget it. Roxanne, you don't have to put out the red light. So Kat made a playlist of songs she could sing along to as she rode through grizzly country and bought two loud, obnoxious, clanging cowbells to hang around the necks of her horses. My third defense was bear spray. And I had this huge canister strapped to my shoulder the whole ride. And my last defense was the best Christmas present I've ever received. <laughs> it was like right before I left for my trip. And Willie was like, hey, can I buy you your Christmas present right now? I'm going to get you a 44 Magnum. 44 is a huge revolver. 
like the one Clint Eastwood made famous in Dirty Harry. You've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? For protection against grizzly bears, you need a gun that big because their skulls are so thick that they can stop smaller bullets. I had gun experience, but for a week straight before I left for my trip, I was out practicing and using this gun and becoming really comfortable and familiar with it. Crossing through the Prasimari Valley. It is super cloudy and gray and pretty ominous. And for the past four hours, I have been staring at this very intimidating entrance to Patterson Creek. It is just a V sliced out of the Lim High Mountains and cliffed out. Supposedly, it's going to have four to six inches of snow on it, and I'm not sure how steep it's going to be. I don't know. It's just the farthest backcountry I've been by myself before, so I guess that's why I'm feeling a little nervous, but keeping my fingers crossed. Of the seven mountain passes that dotted Cat's path, two in particular lived like exclamation points in her mind, the two big obstacles of her journey. Five of the passes followed dirt roads through the mountains. They'd be easy enough to navigate even if they were covered in snow. But Patterson Pass and Bighorn Pass are just trails. Enough snow, washouts, or downed trees could make them nearly impossible to negotiate on horseback. Kat had been riding for five days when she crossed the Persimmery Valley and rode into Patterson, a ghost town that guards the mouth of Patterson Pass, and didn't do much to help her nerves about crossing the pass the next morning. It was like a real legitimate ghost town, old mining town, like all of these buildings were decrepit and falling over. The last vehicle she saw that day was a four-wheeler with a couple of hunters on it. The two of them were headed up the pass, and Kat asked if they'd stop on their way back down and let her know what it was like. And I think every hunter I ran into said these exact words well you're braver than i am but he was like well we got up there and it's just a really gnarly trail and there were down trees and we didn't make it very far and on top of it we saw this huge bear bigger than two atvs put together and so that night i didn't sleep very much but my mantra was if i can go forward then i'm gonna go forward and if i can't then i'll turn around And that was, like, really comforting because I was prepared for all of the what-ifs. And I just always knew that I had this out. I could go back down where I'd come and take a trailer ride home if I had to. I'm looking up at Patterson Pass right now. There's a gorgeous sunrise over it. It's 8, 10 
We are about to gain roughly 3,000 feet. Hopefully the ground's still frozen by the time we get up there. We did come to the down logs that they had talked about, but you know, horses are fabulous off-road vehicles because they just step right over a lot of logs. And if they can't, then you know, you can usually pick your way around them. <laughs> I did saw through one tree that day, but I had a saw on my saddle and so I was prepared for that. I started to hit snow and when I got to the top of the pass there were snow drifts that were up to my pack horse's stomach. But in the places where the snow had completely obscured the trail, Kat used her GPS to navigate and picked her way up the pass. I just made it over the pass and we are making our descent right now. It is one of the best feelings I've ever had. I don't know if I've ever felt this good about something that I've done. This is just an incredible feeling. The sun is finally hitting me. We're only in about three inches of snow right now. And guess what? I can see Montana. So here we come, Montana. <laughs> and her two horses clomped over the Beaverhead Mountains and into Montana. The next 10 days, they followed dirt roads easily over the Ruby Range and the Madisons. They passed through Dillon, the Ruby Valley, Virginia City, Ennis, and into Big Sky. From Big Sky, the Gallatin Mountains were the last major range between Cat and her destination. And her best shot over them was Buffalo Horn Pass, a trail that tops out at 8,500 feet and then drops down into the Tom Minor Basin, an easy 12-mile ride from her goal. After Patterson, I felt confident about everything up until Buffalo Horn. Buffalo Horn was the what-if. The information she got from locals about crossing the range was anything but consistent. One of the challenges of this trip for me was like deciphering what I needed to pick up on, and then also being wise about what I needed to actively try to dismiss. So if I heard something that was scary, I needed to know how to like put that in its place and use facts and knowledge versus what was just fear. She called one man on the other side of the pass to see if she could keep her horses in his corral when she arrived. And one of the things he said to me was, you're not going to be able to make it over the Gallatins. No way in hell. We have hunting camps up there and I guarantee you, you're not going to. The next day, she stayed at a ranch outside of Big Sky, and one of the owners asked where she was headed next. And I told him, Buffalo Horn into Tom Minor. And that was when I started to hear about Tom Minor. The Tom Minor Basin is home to 20 year-round resident grizzly bears, and up to 40 in the summer and early fall. This is the spot where people go to see grizzlies. This is where they hang out. Shaken, but not ready to give up, Cat saddled her horses the next morning and kept riding toward the pass. I was riding through Big Sky and I rode past this bar called the Corral and it was probably about one o'clock and this big towering man comes stumbling out and he's like, hey, get over here. And so I kind of stop and he comes forward and I see that he's smiling and he's like, you're Cat, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's Charlie. It turned out Charlie was one of the outfitters Kat had talked to on the phone when she was planning her trip. 
And he was like, come inside and let's catch up. And I was like, okay, I'll stop. I'll have a little lunch. Three whiskeys later, he had given me the full nitty gritty rundown. He was like, okay, there's been two maulings up there this year. This is what I would do. This is how I'd do it. I just flat out asked him, I was like, what are my chances of seeing a grizzly bear? And he was like, 50-50. And at the end of it, I looked him in the eyes and I said, if you were me, would you do this? And he was like, yes, I would. He was like, you're totally prepared. Do it. There's no reason not to. This trip has morphed from kind of a vision quest, rambly, not really sure what I'm doing out here kind of trip into, I know why I'm here. I'm here because I need to overcome the fears that society has instilled into me. And I need to not be afraid of everything in life, whether it's afraid of not being attractive enough or afraid of social situations or afraid of not making enough money or afraid of going over a pass with grizzly bears. Life is all about ignoring your fears and going forth with confidence. And so tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to charge over this pass with every bit of confidence I can have and just know that I can do this. So, here we go. Hopefully I'll be reporting back from Tom Miner tomorrow. The next morning, 18 days and 300 miles into her ride, Kat saddled her horses and took off. Based on the snow tellies at the top of the pass, she expected to find the trail covered in about 9 inches of snow. As she rode up to the trailhead, she saw three men and a bunch of other horses. It was the most relief I had had this whole trip. It was like huge sigh, relief. It's so cool to see people here on horses. I'm not the only crazy one. And I walk up and start talking to this guy, and he's like, you're doing what? You're crazy. (laughs) It turned out that the three guys were headed a different direction, and there were three of them. So they figured safety in numbers. I was like, I can't do this. That was the closest I got that whole trip to turning around. But she turned on her playlist and signaled her horses to walk. And I started singing, and my voice was trembling. Um, I was shaking, and I get probably three miles up, and I started to see these massive wolf tracks. A thin layer of snow had fallen overnight, so she could tell the tracks were fresh that morning. They were coming down the trail, toward her and her horses, and then veered off into the woods like she had scared the animal off the trail. Now I was like, okay, my singing voice is working, my cowbells are loud enough, and they know we're coming. And about a mile after seeing those wolf tracks, 
I started to see these huge grizzly bear tracks. Just like the wolf tracks, the bear tracks were fresh and coming straight down the trail toward her, then veered off abruptly into the woods. I remember thinking in my mind, well, you better hope that you don't come to a downed tree or a blowout in the trail that you can't get past with the horses because there's absolutely no way you're going to turn around now because you know exactly where that bear is. <laughs> and I did not want to go past him again. After four hours of riding, Cat made it to the top of Buffalo Horn to discover that the trail had only about a half inch of snow. And it was smooth sailing. Like, it came down. I had made it over this pass, and it was done. It was over. There was nothing else to be worried about, and there was just these things that I had accomplished and these fears that I had overcome. So, guess where I'm at? I'm in the bottom of Tom Minor Basin, and I made it over the gnarliest pass of my trip, and it was an adventure. It's pretty surreal. I made it. I can't believe it. I made it. yourself differently now than you did before you left on that first pack trip? Yeah. Um, for the first time this past year, I truly feel like more confident about my identity and about who I am and about walking through life as this five foot eight girl who's 165 pounds. You know, it's not like I'm obese. I'm strong. And I was able to use that to my advantage on my trips. I don't think I thought about it once. I think that my mind was officially in the right spot. What do you take away from that? When you can tackle the fear of having a head on with a grizzly, you can tackle the fear about what people think about you and what you think about yourself even. One of the things that I learned (laughs) was I could go 50,000 miles on a horse and still look like me. There's not going to be some holy transformation, you know? And when it boils down to it, I didn't need to change how I looked. I just needed to change how I looked at myself. Diaries would not be possible without the good people at Patagonia. This past December, Obama designated 1.35 million acres of southern Utah as the Bears Ears National Monument. And now Utah politicians, they're asking Trump to rescind the monument status. Me and the crew at Duct Tape and Beer, we spent a good chunk of our year teamed up with Patagonia and using tools from Google to bring you an immersive 360 VR experience 
so you can visit and explore Bears Ears and maybe understand why we must fight to keep this incredible landscape protected. Visit Patagonia.com to explore your newest national monument. Support for the diaries also comes from Kuadrax. The first daffodils are blooming in Seattle. Mountain biking season is almost here. Don't shove your dirty bike into the back of your car this spring. Go to kuatracks.com and check out their lineup of good-looking, easy-to-use hitch racks and roof racks. Kuat Racks, because you love your bike. Support for the show also comes from our listeners. They're incredible. Love you guys, seriously. The Diaries just celebrated its 10th birthday. That makes me kind of feel old, but that's totally cool. Um, Thank you so much for the kind words. A lot of people wrote in, and it made me kind of feel proud. Thank you. Also, thanks to Kat for sharing your story. This coming spring, Kat will join forces with activist Caitlin Spradley for another ride 900 miles from Washington Coast to Redfish Lake, Idaho. The two women will follow the path of Idaho's wild salmon up the Columbia Snake and Salmon Rivers to their spawning grounds in the Sawtooth Basin. There's more information on our website, DirtBagDiaries.com. You should go check it out. You can follow all the links, get, the, get in touch with them on social media. It should be a cool trip. Check it out. Music today from Aiden Baker, Kai Engel, ADC Bicycle, Bradley Carter, and Jason Tyler Burton. Tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Kotos composed our theme song. As always, you can find the links to the artists on our website. This episode was produced by Jen Altschul and me, Fitz Cahal. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. You have been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Dirtbag Diaries.